mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turning your Bible with me to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. We're going to be beginning really uh, uh, in verse 24, but I'm just going to do a quick review of 24 to 27, and we'll, we'll see uh, the parable of the fig tree. But if you'll remember with me that the whole of this chapter, the whole of this chapter really in context is the disciples, those who follow Jesus, come to Jesus. And they ask him a question. They're trying to gain understanding. They want to know, when will these things you're talking about happen? And I would encourage you, come to Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus. You should be getting alone in prayer. You should be getting alone in the Word. You should be having fellowship with the God of the universe and asking him. And he's going to give you the answer to the things that you need to have an answer to. But make no mistake, it's the relationship that you need. It's the relationship because Jesus is eternal life. He is eternal life. Knowing him is eternal life. So I pray that you are getting along with him. So, And in, the, in his entire answer, no matter what else he says, he says, you do not be deceived. I'm your friend. I've told you everything that you need to know. Keep your eye fixed upon me. Watch for me. Look for me. And you won't be deceived. You'll have understanding. I've told you all things beforehand. So the warning is, is to keep your eye fixed on him. No matter what's going on. Endure through the things of this world. Endure through the pain, the suffering, all of the smokescreen. Everything that the enemy tries to do, go through that and ask Jesus, what's going on? What do I do? How do I live in wisdom in this present evil age? Get your eyes fixed on the throne room, heavenly places, upon Jesus Christ. No matter what. You keep moving through it. It's, he's on the throne. He knows what's going on. Well, you don't know what happened to me when I was. You don't know what happened. Well, you don't know what they said. Listen, get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Get your eyes off of others and get your eyes off of yourself. This is, this is crazy. Every time I talk to somebody, all they want to talk about is their self. Who can find a faithful witness who will talk about Jesus? He's the only answer. Yet we try to get answers from everywhere else. We're looking to the government for answers. 
We're looking to our parents for answers. We're looking at our spouse for answers. When we know that Jesus is the correct answer, it should be our final answer. He says to endure, to wait patiently, to look to him, to come and fellowship with him, draw near to him. In the entire chapter, if you get nothing else, listen, we can wrangle, we can argue, we can debate upon when it's going to happen, what's going to happen, the things that are going to happen. What does it mean when it says this will happen? But our focus must be on Jesus. Because no matter what happens, if we're in the boat with him, we're going to get to the other side. But if we're in the boat with some false Jesus, if we're in the boat with the world, if we're in the boat with ourselves, because all we're worried about is what we get, we ain't going to get to the other side. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. we got to come to our senses, as the prodigal son did. Listen, the prodigal son came to his senses. And you know, when, when a person comes to their senses, what happens? What does that mean? See, only the Holy Spirit can bring you to your senses. That's what it means. To be roused from sleep. To be awakened. To, to say, what am I doing? And then what do you do? When you come to your senses, you turn your heart toward home. And then what happens? Well, home comes and gets you. The Father comes and gets you, and He recloves you, and He puts a signet ring on you, and he, and he has a banquet for you. But you first have to turn your heart, come to your senses, and stop living for yourself. Stop living some cultural Christianity that, that, that chases everything except for the will of God. Notice this. What happened... With the prodigal son. He had to do something. He didn't earn his salvation. But he had to do something. He had to turn. It's available. It's waiting. But you don't get it by continuing to go the same way you've always went. That's not surrender. That's not true belief. That's not faith. You're not earning it. But everywhere you look in the Bible, listen to me, everywhere we look in the Bible, you have to be about the work of the Lord. That's, the, that's what pans out. That's what becomes the evidence of real faith. I mean, and I can preach this over and over, and I will every single week, because it's the only message there is for, for the culturanity, for those who are asleep and lukewarm and lost and, and, and living some false Christianity. The only message there is, is come to our senses and wake up and follow the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Spirit of God. We can wrangle about all the knowledge and all the things and all the ministries, but if we're not being led by the Spirit, it doesn't matter. But everywhere you look in the Bible, everywhere, the people of God are doing the work of God. And the villain, or the one who is not, is the villain. It's the one that's lost. The one that's not being led by the Spirit and doing the work of God according to the plan of God becomes the villain. Look in every single place in the Bible. Because it's His will that matters. Now, you might argue with his will for a while. You might wrestle with it like Jesus did in the garden. 
But at the end of the day, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's how he finished the race, doing the will of God. Not for salvation, but because truly the Spirit of God was working in him. And he was the anointed of God to take away the sins of the world. So when I tell you that the only thing we have to do is get a fix on Jesus, that's true. I'm not telling you that when I tell you to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, I'm not telling you you have to master this, but you have to be looking for the master. I'm not telling you that you have to understand all of it, but you have to be looking for understanding. I'm not telling you you have to do the work perfectly, but you have to be involved in the work. He's the one that perfects. But to go on living and doing and saying, yes, I heard it, and I'm procrastinating, and I'll get to that, or to deceive yourself and say you're already doing it when you're doing nothing in the kingdom of God is deception. It's not enduring. It's not even salvation. Because deliverance begins with faith. It begins with following so that in the future we can cross the finish line. And so when he closed this out in 23, he said, take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. Now I want you to know that take heed means to be where, but the word take, listen, the word take means to lift up or to raise up your voice. See, we become those who are heralding the news. We become those who say, beware the wages of sin are dead. Beware the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If we take heed, we begin to warn others. That's how you and I know right now, because these here that heard him say this began to tell others. And down the corridors of time, it's been passed to us by faithful witnesses. Not perfect witnesses, but faithful witnesses who were privileged to be able to be involved with God in his work. Then he says, verse 24, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. It will be visible with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather the elect, his elect, from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now... Understand, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even his angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house 
and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your son has told us all things, and your spirit makes it clear to us. We pray now, Lord, that we would deny self and take up our cross and follow you. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom in this present evil age. And Lord, we pray that we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 24, really, as we take heed, as we lift our voice, as we're doing everything possible to keep from being deceived by the false system that's around us. Uh, he says, in those days, now listen to me again, as I talked to you before about, those days was then for them. They, this happened to these that were the hearers. It happened, and they fled to the mountains of Pella, and really, uh, 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 um, Titus came, the general. His dad was, was the, the, the ruler at that time, and they really came. This really happened. They really did see these things going on. And it happened once, but it also is a prophecy of what's going to happen in the future. It's a prophecy of what is now still going on and has been going on since the garden, but now it's becoming more clear. Now God is uncovering and revealing more to us so that we can see it clearly. If we're looking, if we're about what we want to do, we may not be looking. We may not care. We may still be those who are sleeping. And in Ephesians 6, he says, awake. You who sleep, rise up and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Be then always be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's what we're called to do. And yet we still sleep. Yet we still chase everything. We're still looking for all these other things to fulfill us. When satisfaction only comes from the Lord. You're designed to worship God. And when you worship other things, there'll never be satisfaction. But when you worship God, and that's what pray means is to worship God. It means that you are fully surrendering to God because you're coming to Him for help in time of need. It's a worship in the most purest form to say, I can't do this in my strength. I don't know how to do this. I don't understand this. So here I am praying. Please give me wisdom in how to do this. That's why He says here, learn the parable. Understand the parable. What are you doing to understand it? What are you doing to learn what's going on, to grow in your relationship? Again, I, I 24 through 27 uh, is under interpretation. 
Uh, it's according to who you are, what you are, when it might happen. I don't know. I, I, I almost want to say, I don't care. I don't mean that in a sense like I care less because it's going to happen, but I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to go in the tribulation. I'm going to go in the rapture because the tribulation is coming upon all the sons of disobedience, not upon me. I'm looking to obey. I believe I've come to my senses. I'm building a relationship with God. I'm looking to do the will of God. And I'm being adorned as his bride. And he's going to take me home to the wedding supper. And consummate and finish all things. It says in these days after that tribulation. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall. And the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Really? I don't know whether that's three and a half years into the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the seven years. Because it says, uh, in those days. And then it says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. There could be three and a half period in between them two senses. Three and a half year period of, of the rest of the persecution that goes on the nations that are still here, the Jews. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then what will he do, Greg? He'll send his angels. He'll send and do the harvest. He'll send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Amazing. So he's going to shake once more. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. I, as a Bible student, I can't help but think of Hebrews chapter 12 when I see that he's going to shake everything. That once again, everything's going to be shaken. 12.25. After he talks about we're not coming to that mountain where we're scared to come to the quaking mountain, but we're rising into the heavenlies. And we're going to talk about this maybe on New Year's message. He says, listen to this. 12.25. Listen to what the warning is. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. This is talking about Mount Sinai. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake... Not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. As of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Listen, does COVID shake you? Does not having a president and all the deception that's going on in our worldly government shake you? See, because you're supposed to be being built upon a rock. A firm foundation that cannot be shaken. A relationship with the God of the universe through His Son because of His blood. We're supposed to be firmly planted. We're supposed to be as those that already know who our Savior is. These things should not shake us. We should stay firm. We should be enduring. We should be learning to do the work of the ministry. We, we, we 
blocks of the temple of God. We're believer priests. We're the people who say we walk by faith, not by sight. And yet everything shakes us. I ran out of gas. I'm shaking. I cut my finger. I'm shaking. I didn't get no beans with my food. I'm shaking. Think about it. I'm not being funny here. We, 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 are, we, we have forgotten war. We've forgotten we're behind enemy lines. We've forgotten who we serve. And everything shakes us. And the enemy knows that. The enemy is the one that has done that. We're at the harvest. We're at the end of the age. He's getting ready to send his angel, put his sickle in, and take it and cast all of those tares and burn them into hell and then take his children, his wheat, and put us into his barn, into his house forever. And we still can be shaken so easily by simple stuff. It's because we're focused upon the world. We're focused upon self. We're focused upon the wrong things. We're not looking to Jesus. We're not doing what he's actually told us to do. We're not studying the word and digging through it and saying, Lord, this has always been told that it's going to happen. No, we rely on somebody else to teach us. And you know what? That's deception. There's teachers. That's part of the body of Christ. But what is your work? What is your part? Listen to me. If all you do is sit and listen to the word of God taught, you might just be somebody warming your hands by the fire and not even saved. Because salvation gets involved. Salvation is always doing. Salvation is going. Salvation is saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Listen, this has never been about, this has never been about what you don't do. Think about it. See, Christ took all of our sin. Christ paid for everything. Christ paid for everything that you don't do. You can say, but I got this sin in my life, and I really don't feel like I can follow Jesus. Listen, it's not about that. If you're focused on your sin, your eyes are in the wrong place. If you're not focused on doing the will of God, the work of God, because you're privileged by God to not get cast into hell, then you're focused on the wrong thing. And most people are focused on everything. Think about it. You're not doing. You're not doing. You're not doing. You're not doing. I'm not doing. What are you focused on doing? Not in your flesh. In the spirit. What are you privileged to do with God? Did it sound like I made a contradiction there? There's no contradiction. Our focus goes on self and what we're not doing to get salvation when it's already given. You already have all the power you need. You already have all the strength you need. You already have all the resources you need. But to say, I have faith and do nothing except keep living in the flesh, it's not true saving faith. So once again, he's going to shake everything. Can you be shaken? Can your life be shaken? Oh, all of us stumble. All of us have things that are going on. But do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you following Jesus Christ? Are you led by the Spirit? 
Do you have a desire? Maybe you should return to your first love if you don't. It's not something new. It's not something new. Saints have been walking away from their first love since the beginning. It's part of the flesh. But when we know right now that we're supposed to be shaken awake to live by faith, we should really be doing a spiritual inventory about what's important to our lives. If, if Listen, right now, look. If you can't see that we're at the end of the age, if you can't see that the things that are going on in the culture, the, the complete deception, the lying media, the complete deception of stealing the, even the presidency of the United States, if you can't see the downfall of a nation, if you can't see the rise of evil, if you can't see by thinking, we're going to defund the police, we're going to make criminality the good thing and make the police the bad thing in every single case that hits the news. If you can't see the evil that is running rampant and understand as a people of God that God is sovereign and he's allowing it, that we're at the end of the age, then you've got to get shaken awake. There's something's got to happen in your life. Something has got to wake you up. And, and, and everything is a design to make you cry out to Jesus. It's not one thing that is. Everything since you were born was designed to get you to cry out to Jesus. Because all of life is about crying out to Jesus. All of life is about trusting in Jesus. And we're, we're getting to the end of the age. I'm getting old in my life. I'm just starting my life. It doesn't matter where you're at. Have you learned the lesson of life that you need to understand what this life is about? And it's all about Jesus. And if you finish your physical life and you don't know Jesus, you're cast into hell. It's that simple. There's no other plan to learn. Believing in the provision that God has made for your soul. But when you believe, there's a whole lot of work that needs to get done. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. Because we've entered into this inheritance. We've entered into a house the house of God, the abode of God. We've become citizens of heaven. We now belong to him once again, as Adam did in the garden. I had never seen Adam complain in the garden before sin. God gave him everything. They had perfect fellowship. He's naming all the animals. He's like, look at the wonder. Look at the privilege. He's running around doing everything. Can you imagine such freedom? We've been given it again in Christ. Again in Christ. Listen to me. Set free, privileged, at liberty to go out and enjoy a relationship. And what do we do? We listen to that liar and we end up in bondage again. I pray that's not you. He says here in Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we, receiving, we, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with fear, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. He's purifying us. 
And once again, he will purify all things when he makes them new. Peter talks about it. Well, let's just look at it. Peter talks about this over in um, 2 Peter 3. We read it last week. I want to read it again. 10. But the day of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord, many call it, will come as a thief in the night. To be when darkness is at its darkest. In which the heavens will pass away with great noise. You'll hear it. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. There'll be fire. He's a consuming fire. Both the earth and the works. Listen. And the works of flesh. The works of the earth. Everything about the earth will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons are you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening, urging, waiting eagerly for the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's why we're practicing righteousness now. See, if we're busy practicing righteousness, if we're busy doing what God has called us to do, if we're busy being led by the Spirit instead of just following all the rest of the things in the world, we'll be ready. We'll be adorned. We'll be perfectly fine for heaven. But if our heart is doing everything that's unrighteous and following the earthly authorities and being caught up in all this down here and entangled, there remains a question whether we ever believed or not. So anyway, with all that going on, they're going to see the Son of Man in the clouds. And I don't know the order of it all. I'm not even going to pretend to try to direct the order of it all because I don't really care about the order of it all. What I care about is those enduring to the end. What I care about is those looking forward. And that right now, if we're listening to God, we can see the signs of the times. We can understand that it's happening right now before our eyes. But you know what happens? I even have Christians say this to me. You know, remember the days of Noah? Because that's one of the signs of the times. As it was the days of Noah, they're marrying, giving him marriage, and taking him marriage and until Noah entered the ark. He'd been building that ark for 120 years, you know. And, and, and some kid would run home and go, Dad, Dad, Dad. And he'd say, what's going on? Son? Noah. I said, he said, the world's going to end. He's like, oh, he's been saying that for 120 years. When I was a kid, I ran home to my dad the same way. That's a bunch of baloney. They made that up to control you and the church. Listen, I talk to Christians and they say that to me. Well, we've been saying Jesus is coming forever. You know what's wrong with your relationship right there, don't you? You don't have one. You don't know the Word of God. You don't believe the Word of God. You don't have faith in it if you think that this is not going to happen. God is not a liar. Just as He came the first time, He'll come the second time. Just as it happened, it will happen again to the millisecond. And in the twinkling of an eye, which is faster than that millisecond, will be caught up in the air. And those who are dead in Christ will rise first from the graves as a witness that they got up. And then we who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air. And thus we'll be with him always. And we're supposed to encourage one another. Encourage one another about this. Think about that. People are discouraged in the church. 
They're discouraged. They're afraid of the rapture. They're afraid of death. We're discouraged instead of encouraging one another that one day we're going to go be with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I'd like that, but I don't want to die. I'd like that, but I... If you die, you're first. we got to get this, people, because we're living according to some cultural thing that has nothing to do with faith. Faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's getting ready to happen. We're there. And I'm telling you right now, that if you don't see the signs of the time right now, you better ask God to wake you up because you've got spiritual glaucoma. If you can't see the evil that's running rampant in our streets, if you can't see the upside-down living where they call evil good and good evil, if you can't see that they're taking everything and making it into something that's good, that's evil, that's against God, we've got to wake up. And what should that do? You're like, well, I see it all. Now what? Well, you can't sit on the couch. We're supposed to be about the Father's business. Jesus is our example. I see it all, and I'm just sitting here doing nothing, waiting. That's not the way you're supposed to wait. And it's in the text. He's going to send his angels here, verse 27. They're going to see him visibly, verse 26. Then he sends his angels to gather together the elect from the four winds, farthest parts of the heavens, Everywhere, wherever that is going to make the sea give up its dead. Every place that they're being held. And he says this to help them because, because he doesn't want it revealed completely. He wants you to search it out. I'm working on my message for, for Christmas uh, next week and working on my New Year's message already. So I'm trying to hold back some of the things that I'm studying, which is going to come out as we go. So I'm going to just try to try to go... <sighs> Hold that back. Here we go. Now learn this parable, verse 28 of chapter 13 of Mark. Why? Why do I need to learn a parable? Because a parable is something that's laid alongside a spiritual truth. It's a, it's a, a, a narrative that's not really true, but it's there to help you, if you search it out, understand a spiritual truth. Listen to me. Learn this parable. Understand is what that word means. Are you trying to learn anything in the Christian life? Listen, going to church doesn't save you. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. The blood of Jesus saves you. Reading and learning and obeying helps you learn, helps you grow in the grace and the knowledge so that you will see that he's already told us all things, so that you can avoid the pitfalls, so that you can tell other people about the privilege you have to serve God. Are you trying to learn today, or are you doing some spiritual duty? Because that becomes works. Relationship. Learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So these people are always dealing with fig trees, grapevines, right? So he's just meeting them where they're at and says, learn this. Remember, every year when you see them leaves start to come out, you go, man, we're going to have some figs here pretty soon. Summer is almost here. It's going to be nice. We have a harvest. See, that's what he's saying to them. 
But then what does he say? He explains it at the same time. So you also, when you see these things happening, in other words, the leaves, all of these things that he's talking about, wars, rumors of wars, all of this deception, people turning on their own families. When you see these things happening, that's the leaves. And the summer represents the end of the age. It's near. It's at the doors, he says. When you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Look up, your redemption draweth nigh. Look at Luke 21. Quickly. I got way too much material, but we'll have fun with it. I get excited by it. You should see me in my study as I'm going all through the Bible at the different places that all these things. Now think about it. He's speaking here in Mark to a Gentile crowd. Luke is speaking as a doctor a little bit differently by the Holy Spirit to a crowd that uh, is also Jewish. Listen to what he says here. 25, Luke 21, 25. It's a parallel text of this. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distress of nations. Yeah, I heard, listen, yesterday, you know what was going on with the hurricanes? You guys, have you guys been watching hurricanes? They're already through the English alphabet. They're on the ninth letter of the Greek alphabet. That means that there's been 35, is that right? 35 hurricanes this year. 35 of them. It's unheard of. The earth will be in distress, or excuse me, the, the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing. Suicide is up greater now than ever before because of COVID and being trapped in the houses and businesses being lost. And it's all man-made. It's all done by the devil using his minions. Their hearts are failing from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in the cloud of power and great glory now when these things begin to happen talking about all these things that we're seeing they're the birth pangs when they begin to happen look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near See, we, we know, he's told us beforehand, we're not going to be here, but we know it's coming. We should have an urgency to sound the alarm to other people. I don't care if they tell you, shut up, Noah. Don't be saying that stuff. You've been saying that. It's our calling to be a witness of what God has shown us. This is not a game. I talk to Christians all the time and they go, oh, this will clear up in a couple months. It's not clearing up. Sorry, I'm loud about it. I'm pretty emphatic about it. But I'm tired of getting shut down by even Christians when I say that this nation is going under and that Jesus is coming soon and the rapture is getting ready to happen. To silence us is of the devil. And I have fun in Walmart sharing Jesus, but I don't like doing it with a mask on. It's different, people. If you don't get it, masks aren't going away. They will when we get the vaccine. Well, I ain't getting the vaccine. So I'm going away. Make no mistake, these things are on purpose. 
They're coming on purpose. And I have Christians telling me how they can't wait for a vaccine. You best beware. You best start praying and asking God for wisdom and how to walk in these dark times. Well, Greg, you're preaching the gospel, and there's no hope in that. Oh, yes, believe me, God loves you with a never-ending love. He died on a cross. He poured out his blood. He's coming back to take the chosen home. All of this is your hope and your glory. He told you beforehand. you, you, you got to listen to it. you got to listen to it. You've got to come and comprehend it. You've got to see it's coming. You're going to be led by the Spirit, but if you keep being led by your flesh and by the government pulled around by your nose and everything that you do is by a different father than the father you're being saved to be a part of his house. Oh, I'm getting excited here. I am so sorry that I get so excited and I spit all over the place. Somebody might catch COVID. And I'm not making a joke about COVID. I'm not. It's real. I see people with it. My own pastor has it right now. Some people get sicker than others with it. But ever since sin began, we've had disease, sickness, because it causes death. Since the garden, there's been something they use to control you and manipulate you and put you where they want you to be and keep you focused on it. We're focused on who's the president. They cheated us. We're focused on COVID. Don't get sick. Instead of focusing on our real problem. Oh, well, they, well, let me make up the rest of them. Let me tell you. Oh, uh, racism. The economy. I mean, think about all the other things they want you focused on except for sin and salvation. This whole life is about sin and salvation. But they want you focused on everything else. Because they're of the devil. But the focus has to be on sin and salvation. What was Jesus focused on? Delivering people from their sin. Bringing salvation. Destroying the works of darkness or of the devil. And truth is the only thing that does that. But if they can shut you up, if they can keep you out of the church, if they can keep you afraid of something, never learning, never uh, keeping one another accountable and having fellowship. Listen to me. we got to wake up in the church. Learn this parable of the fig tree. Now, the fig tree is also Israel. We've learned this. We've seen this. We know this. Remember the fig tree that Jesus cursed a couple chapters ago? Because it didn't have any fruit on it. It was supposed to have fruit. When you see leaves on a tree, you know that at some time it's supposed to bear fruit, right? Well, a, a fig tree takes three years to bear real fruit. Jesus has been here three years at that time in there, and he sees a fig tree with leaves but no fruit, just like the nation of Israel. All of these live, these leaves, these pious people walking around with phylacteries on their head and telling people what to do and how to live, and they don't know nothing about God. But they got all these leaves that look like a form of godliness, but it denies the power, the authority thereof. And so then he says, let no fruit grow upon you ever again. And the boys are like, wow. They come back a few days later and that tree is dead. That's because the nation of Israel was getting ready to be destroyed and be no more. 
But God has a future work with them. And I like what I was listening to J.D. Farag, and he did it, and we've said this, and we know this. Listen, when somebody denies that God's got a future work with Israel, you better get scared. Because if he has no future work with Israel, he broke his covenant with them. And if he broke his covenant with them, he would break his covenant with you. But he doesn't break his covenant. He doesn't lie. He keeps his promises. He's coming to get us soon. So the fig tree, again, is referring to the nation of Israel. And this all happened. It was at the doors. Now it's referring to, what, the whole church, the whole earth, the whole planet. It's a prophecy about the last days. How do we, how do we know God's keeping his promises? Because May 14, 1948, Israel became a sovereign nation again. Uh-oh. What happened to all those people that said, God's done with Israel? They were scattered throughout the earth. It's prophesied. It's in the Old Testament. And then he brought them back together. And he gave them their own nation again. So we want to learn this parable, don't we? See, this, this hides some really good stuff for us in it. If we learn it and we gain understanding, look at Genesis 15. Many of you know where I'm going because you've heard me teach this before. I'm going to teach it again. Genesis 15, the first covenant made with Israel. In that first covenant, which, listen, always, Old Testament, it's hidden. New Testament, it's revealed. And, and, and they work together. They're the best commentaries. Go to Genesis 15. We're going to begin in verse 12. Now, Bible sword drills. Go to John 5 with your other hand. John 5, 43, a verse you might want to commit to memory. Now hold him there. Genesis 15, 12. Bible sword drills. This is good stuff. Learn your Bible. Oh, it's really hard to do on the phone, isn't it? I'm sorry. You should have brought a Bible. I'm sorry. It's hard to go to both those places in your phone, isn't it? Bible. I'm, a, I'm just being facetious. I'm not. I'm really serious. I'm playing. Let me read 543 first. Because this is what happened to the nation of Israel. Listen. And it's what's about to happen to the church. Because we're following men instead of God. We're being led by men and, and other authorities instead of the Spirit of God. I have come, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. I have come in my Father's name, His authority, His will, His character, His nature, and you do not receive me. If another comes in His own name, Antichrist, soon, Him you will receive. Anything that's against Christ is Antichrist. It's instead of Christ. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? Or excuse me, from the only God. There's only one God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. Now listen, he's talking to the Pharisees, and they trust in the law. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings... How will you believe my words? 
Listen, that right there, verse 47, that's why we can look to the Old Testament. That's why Andy Stanley's a heretic if he would throw out the Old Testament. If you do not believe the Old Testament, how can you believe Jesus? They pointed to Jesus. How can you believe Moses and not believe Jesus? So listen, when I go back to the Old Testament and encourage you to learn the Old Testament, it reveals the New Testament. So let's look again now. Genesis 15, 12. This is when the first covenant was being given to Abraham. His name was Abram at this time. He was father. Abraham means father of many nations. He didn't have any children. The only one in his house at this time is Eleazar, a servant, a slave, which means one who comes alongside. It's a type of the Holy Spirit. And God told him to split these animals. This is how they would do it in a ditch. In a, in a, in a, in a ditch, right? They would get two heels like this, and they'd split the animals apart, and they'd lay them on both sides, and then the blood would run down into the middle, and when they touched, their lives would be connected together in a covenant. And, and listen to me. The only thing that Abram is doing is watching. Only thing Abram's doing is watching and trying to keep the evil away as he watches and listens to what God says and follows his instruction. He can't do anything else because he can't keep his part of the covenant. Neither can you. That's why Jesus did it all for us. It all points to Jesus and his blood on a hill that ran down Calvary. And he did it all for us. And all he asked us to do is watch. Remember when he did that with the boys in the garden? He says, watch. Stay here and watch and pray. And he go into the garden. He said, Father, and he come back and he goes, I asked you to watch and pray. You can't watch and pray for one hour. And they were asleep. See, that gives me great hope because I know that at times in my life, since I've known Jesus, I sleep. But he comes back again. He comes back three times and wakes them up. He said, that's enough. Let's go. And he wasn't frustrated at all. But he was trying to train them to watch and pray. And he's still trying to train you and me to watch and pray. So watch this. Now when the sun was going down, verse 12, chapter 15, Genesis, the sun was going down, darkness is coming, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. What's he doing? He's sleeping. He's supposed to be keeping the covenant, receiving the covenant. Why? He doesn't split the animals. See, it's always happened. Man sleeps. He's sleeping. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. See, when you sleep, that's what's going on. When you allow the enemy to put you to sleep, horror and great darkness is coming upon you because you're not walking in the light. You're not looking at the light. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Hey, guess what? That was talking about the captivity in Egypt, but it's also talking about you and me because we're descendants of Abraham by faith. And we're strangers. This is not our land. We're pilgrims here. Our citizenship is in heaven. All of this reveals the New Testament. And we'll serve them. See, I was born serving this land. And, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. See, judgment's coming. The final judgment's coming, the end of the earth. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. You know what? That's a strange verse there. Afterward. See, he's already judged the earth. 
The cross finished it. Right? You guys good with this? And in the rapture, well, let me, let me just tell you, the rapture is going to be the consummation and the glorification. But after the cross, it gives you not just great privilege and great strength and great power and great freedom, but it gives you a great inheritance that you can come out of the world now and be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You've been set free. And you've been given a great inheritance. But the devil don't want you to know. Now as for you, verse 15, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the inequity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Waiting for the final days. Listen, the only reason I took you here, I just I gave you some, some commentary in it, but was for verse 14 and verse 16. He says they will flick for 400 years, and then in verse 16, he defines those 400 years as fourth generation. That means that generation is 100 years, in my opinion. Now, it's just an opinion. So now, if you flip back and you fast forward and you go back to Jesus, and they ask the question, teacher, when will these things be? And he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a parable. Because I want to hide it, but if you want to dig it up and search it out and unwrap it, you'll be able to understand it. He says, so here's the parable of the fig tree. Now, the nation of Israel is a fig tree. When they begin to have leaves again, right? May 14th, 1948, he says, next line. Ready? I'm setting it up for you. 30. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Listen. When's these things going to happen, Lord? When the nation of Israel begins to have leaves again, the generation that sees it will not pass away till everything else takes place. What's everything else? All the things he just said that were prophecies of the end time. And we're that generation that seen May 14, 1948. Now, I wasn't born yet, but I'm born in that generation of 100 years. Now, just in case you're getting a little bit weird, you say, well, I'm a Berean, and uh, I know what the next line says. Listen, let's, let's read it before I keep going. 31, heaven and earth will pass away with fire, but my words, this truth here, what he's saying now, everything about the truth of the gospel, he is the living word, will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels in heaven nor the son himself but only the father listen to me i'm not trying to tell you the day or the hour no one knows it but he clearly told us to learn it to see the signs of the time to understand it and that he's our friend and he's told us all things beforehand so if the nation of israel is the fig tree 
And if they sprouted leaves, leaves mean that they're supposed to be fruit. What was all of this about? Why did he bring chastisement upon the nation of Israel? Because they weren't bearing fruit and they needed to bear fruit. And it can come by the Spirit when they believe in the Messiah. So May 14, 1948, and if a generation is 100 years, somebody do the math. I don't have a calculator with me. But that would be 2048. Before 2048 is over, we're getting ready to go into 2021, right? Before 2048 is over, all of these things prophetically will happen. If that don't give you an urgency, because the way I do my math is we've got about 20 years. Oh, you say 28. I say 20 because I'm not going to be here for the final seven of them. I'm going to be taken in the rapture. I'm leaving. So 2021 and 2041 is 20 years left. I literally can see that because I would only be 76. I don't know the day or the hour. No one knows. Not the angels. Not even Jesus. Only the Father. Why is that? Because in a Galilean wedding, it was always already set up. It was prearranged. And only the Father, because of honor of the Son, would know when it was time to do that. And so we've seen the movie Before the Wrath. I would encourage you to watch it if you haven't. And what would happen is the son would be brought by the father to the bride's house, the chosen's house, and it would be an offering of a dowry. I will pay the price for you to be my bride. If you accept it, drink this cup. If you accept it, do my will. If you're accepting it, you get prepared for it because I'm coming back after the betrothal period to take you home. Then what happened, Greg? Well, then the father would take the son back to his house and he would begin to build a house for you on the side of the father's house. John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And where I go, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am... You can be with me. My house. Listen. And then he begins to prepare the banqueting table to celebrate the wedding. It's a Galilean wedding. And then at midnight, what happens, Greg? Because no one knows the day or the hour. When the father sees that all things are in place and the time is at hand, he says, son, go get your bride. Then what happens? They come and they snatch her away on one of those, what's those things called? I can't even, yeah, one of the things where you carry them like you run with them. They literally snatch her out and take her back to the banquet. And it's a picture of the rapture of the bride who's being adorned and prepared. But listen quickly, chapter 25 of Matthew. Go there. Matthew chapter 25. No one knows the day or the hour. But are you watching? Are you waiting? Are you taking heed? Are you speaking loudly? Is your voice raising up to tell people to beware? Judgment is coming. Not fire and brimstone, love and mercy. Not fire and brimstone, the love of God. But the love of God tells us that there's love that brings salvation, and then there's justice that brings damnation. One makes the other all that greater. 25.1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be like, like unto parable. 
it's likened to a similitude. Ten virgins. What? Who took their lamps, their light, and went out to meet the bridegroom. There's going to be a wedding? Listen to me, church. Paul says that he betrothed us to Christ as chaste virgins. If you know Christ, you're a chaste virgin. You're pure and spotless, undefiled because of the blood of Jesus. Not talking physically, we're talking spiritually. In Christ Jesus. Now five of them were wise. And five were foolish. I'm, I'm not doing the math, but that almost says that half the church today is wise and half of them are foolish. Foolish said in his heart, no to God. I'm not going to do what you call me to do, Lord. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Listen, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Are you out and about without being led by the Holy Spirit? Are you doing what you do in life right now without being led by the Spirit? Romans 8, 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. It's a sign of your heart. Do you have oil in your lamp? But the wise took oil in their vessels. Notice he changed it now. It's a vessel, not a lamp. Give you a little bit of better understanding of what it is. Oil in their vessels with their lamps. Huh. Interesting, huh? Kind of changed it up a little bit on you, didn't he? Are you shining your light? Are you raising your voice? But while the bridegroom was delayed, why is the bridegroom delayed from coming? It's the love of God. He does not want any to perish, but all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was verse 9 just before when I was just reading about the judgment of God in 2 Peter chapter 3. 3.9 says it's because of his long suffering. 3.10 says burn up with fire after he's done long suffering. He's not delayed. He loves us. He wants all to come to the saving knowledge. But what happened to these ten brides? Even the ones with the oil, look what it says. They all slumbered and slept. Just like Abram did. Remember he was asleep? and Listen, all the church can do it. But right now, he's trying to shake us awake. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. COVID's not to be feared. COVID is to cause you to pray. The president isn't to make you to fear. It's to cause you to pray. And to get busy with his work. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Here's your cry. The bridegroom is coming. Look, look up. Your redemption draweth now. There should be an urgency. He's coming real soon. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'm going to give you the saying for 2021. You can start with it now. I'm not a prophet. I work for a nonprofit organization. Still a dead joke, too. But it, it's belonged by the Holy Spirit, so he allows me to use it for your glory. Looking for Jesus, or excuse me, looking for the Son in 2021. Looking for the Son. I'm not saying he's coming in 2021. I'm saying get your eyes in the right place in 2021. 
There's an urgency here. Because there's no other Savior coming. There's no other help coming. And, and you're not going to get saved. I go into stores and I go, mask won't save you, but Jesus will. See, there's nowhere other word to look. There's no other Savior. The mask is not going to save you from death. The mask is not going to save you from Joe Biden and his administration of the devil. The mask isn't going to save you from any worldly authority. Only Jesus will deliver you into heaven. And we need to get our eyes looking for him, looking for the sun in 2021. That's the New Year's message, if we're still here. Because we could go at any minute. Because, by the way, May 14, 1948 was the final prophecy that has to be finished with the church here. None of the rest of them have to be done for us to be gone. The church can leave now that Israel is a sovereign nation again. Where was I at? Verse 6. A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Isn't that interesting? Is anybody else? We're supposed to be going? If you want to meet him, you need to be going. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do the things that I say. Now listen, I'm not confusing salvation. My salvation is a free gift. It's not of works. But if I have that salvation, I will work. I've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that I should walk in them. Led by the Spirit, but walking in them. Ephesians 2.10 Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Listen, here's the urgency. Here's the wake-up call. The bride is coming, and now what are you supposed to do if you have oil in your lamp? You're supposed to arise and trim your lamps. Let me give you a little help with that. To arise means to collect one's faculties. It means to waken from your sleep so Christ can give you life. It means to stand. It doesn't matter what the battle is right now. If you're going to arise, it means to stand in the victory of Jesus. And then, oh, to trim your wicks. It means to put in proper order. It means to adorn. It means to garnish. Listen to me. Is your lamp, your light that you're shining that's supposed to look like Jesus being put in proper order where you're getting into the word prayer and fellowship. You're watching for his glorious appearing. You know what the word watching means? Sleepless. You're fully awake. You're not asleep anymore. And so you're beginning to adorn yourself as a bride because you're drinking the cup and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to prepare you. He's coming. I'm ready. I want to look proper. I don't want to be ashamed that his glory is appearing. Are you trimming your wick? No, I'm not saying you have to do work to be saved. I'm saying if you are saved and you have oil, you will get up and collect your faculties and say, I want to understand this parable. I want to know how I'm supposed to live, what my conduct is supposed to be like, what my calling is, and you begin to adorn yourself. How do you do that? You don't do it in your strength. You don't do it according to culturality. You do it according to the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and the power of God, because we've been privileged by God to even be called into this work. 
But make no mistake, he died for all. He called all. But many will say, oh, I know Jesus, and never do anything. Never do anything except what they want to do. Once again, we see it all through Scripture. And they became the villains. They were the bad guy when Jesus tells parables. Remember the Good Samaritan? Who was the villain? The ones that didn't do, the ones that didn't stop, the one that didn't show the love, the one that didn't bandage up and give their property to take care of the injured, the poor, the blind, the one that did nothing but pass on on their merry way with no oil in their lamps. But they were the ones, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were the ones that were supposed to know God. The priest, the Levite. The priest was the go-between. He was the one representing God. The Levite. The one who served God. They became the villains, didn't they? But the doers, they're the ones that shine like lights in the darkness. The Samaritan. The ones that... The, 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 think about this for a minute. It was the ones that the Levites and the priests hated that actually did the work. It's upside down. That's why you got to be careful listening to the world or listening to even the established church in America because it's upside down. Because it is listening to the lies of the world. They arose and trimmed. They collected their faculties. They said, wait a minute, I'm a virgin. I belong to Christ. I've been stumbling. I've been living wrong. But the Spirit of God and the power of God, I'm going to be adorned and I'm going to be ready to shine my light and to speak up. And verse 8, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. No more delay. He's here. And those who were ready, those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Anybody want to know what the Greek is for ready? Listen to it. Those who were fit, fitness, those who had adjusted their life, those who had prepared because of the warning, because and they were made ready because he told us beforehand he was coming back. He told us how our conduct should be. He told us it shouldn't look like the world. He's already told us we should be led by the Spirit. This is good stuff, guys. This is great stuff. Right now, awake from your sleep. Don't walk out of the church today. Don't turn off this message today and say, I'm okay. I got it. And then go right back doing what you've always been doing. There should be an urgency. We are in the final days. And guess what? If everything from this point on of my sermon was wrong and it was just an opinion and I was just sharing with you, guess what? I don't know how old you are right now. But all the days of man is 70, 80 years. You need every day of that if you're five to prepare your heart to meet Jesus. So it doesn't matter 
that the end of the world is a hundred years from now, you're going to meet Jesus real soon. And that's what this life is about. Will you be ready when you meet him? Will it be because of his blood that you say, here, I didn't do anything. And you lay the crowns at his feet and sing, holy, holy, holy. Or will you go on doing what you've always done and saying, I know Jesus. I said a prayer. Really? Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is worship. Prayer is dependent upon God for life and godliness. Prayer is not a one-time thing. Reading the Word is not a one-time thing. Fellowship is not a one-time thing. You know what's a one-time thing? It's appointed for man to die once. And then comes the judgment. That's a one-time thing. Eternity. Where will you spend it? And then let's close out the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, verse 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. See, this is a parallel text in many ways to what we're looking at when he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. No one knows the day or the hour, not the Son of Man, not the angels, nobody but the Father. So he says, Take heed. This is Mark 13, 33. Take heed, watch and pray. Take heed is raise up your voice. Beware. Watch is don't be asleep now. Listen. Listen. Quit hitting the snooze button. Listen. Quit hitting the snooze button on your spiritual life. That's not an alarm clock. That's a fire alarm. That's not an alarm clock that's ringing. It's a fire alarm saying, wake up. It's not an alarm clock. Because one day he's going to burn everything up that isn't built upon him. It's a fire alarm. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. We can see it soon because we see the fig leaves. We know that it's near. Then he gives one more parable. Let's get in and we'll move on or close out. It is like a man. Now watch it. It's like, here we go again, a man. Huh. He's going to a far country, heaven, seated there, left his house and gave power, gave authority to his servants. Listen, God does not give power to people who said, I say a prayer. He gives power to the servants. And to each, get this line, this is not here, there's commas in between, and to each his work. And commanded the doorkeeper, the porter, King James, to watch. Watch therefore. Four times in this text we have the word watch. What should we be doing? Watching. Interestingly, though, the first one, the first watch means to be sleepless, keep awake. The other three watches are a different word that means to keep awake, to be vigilant. So you wake up once, and then you're vigilant the rest of the time not to be asleep again. 
Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house, that's the man that went to a far country, is coming, whether it's in the evening, midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping, spiritual sleep, and what I say, I say to all, watch. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Now let's break this down a little bit because this is a parable. It's a, it's a spiritual truth. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, fictitious narrative laid aside to help you understand spiritual truth. There's a man that went away to a far country. Isn't that Jesus? He left his house. Who left his house. Whose house are you of? There's two houses. Two fathers. The lying father, the devil. And then there's my father's house that Jesus went away to. And he's building a house for me. It means this. Listen, we're going to close here. Don't lose here. Don't lose here. It's the same word for John 14, 2. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. Same word. It's a resident. It's a boat. It's a family. It's a family. Whose house do you belong to? Whose family? Well, whose authority are you listening to? Whose spirit are you being led by? The spirit of God, which are the children of God, or the spirit of Antichrist? Well, how do I know, Greg? I, I, in prayer. In the word, in fellowship, asking for discernment. In fellowship, you can even ask other people to help counsel your life. And then you got to make that decision because it's your own personal relationship. He left his house. And what did he do when he left? He gave us a gift. We're going to talk about a gift next week. That's Christmas message. He gave us a gift, he gave us authority. It's the word, you know what this word is here? It's power in Acts 1 8. When they said, will you at this time now restore the kingdom? He says, those are for not for you to know. But you shall receive power. You shall receive authority when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, he said it someplace else. Matthew 28, 18. All authority, all power has been given to me on heaven and in or on earth and in heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, and lo I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Notice what we're teaching them. We're teaching them to do what the Good Samaritan did. We're teaching them to obey. We're teaching them to do, and not just to pretend and have leaves, because that brings a curse if there's no fruit. All authority. He, he left his house, and he gave authority to who? His servants. Guess what? It's the Greek word doulos. It's the word that every single one of the disciples took on. It means a bond servant. It means voluntary servanthood. They became slaves voluntarily to the will of God, to the word of God and the ways of God. 
a doulos, a bondservant. He gave them power to his servants and to each his work. What is your work? What are you called to do? See, Jesus was called to be the Messiah, the Mashiach. Jesus was called to die for the sins of the world. All of us have a calling. All of us have work to do. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good work. It's not just to sit in church. It's not just to read our Bibles. It's not just to say, I believe. But there's specific work that we've been called. It's gifting and talents, and he's given them to us. And it's for us to search that out, to unwrap that. I'm getting into next week's message. And then to begin to be obedient about doing it. To observe all that he commanded us to do. And as we do it, it glorifies him. It doesn't just save our soul, but it glorifies him. It allows us to speak up. And in our very works that we're doing by the Spirit of God, it speaks to a dead and dying world. It testifies to them that there's a living and true God. And that's what we're going to get rewarded for in heaven is for our works. Each one will be rewarded for his own works. But what else did he do, Greg? And he commanded. This was a commandment. The doorkeeper, the porter, to watch. He commanded him to watch. <clears throat> he commanded him to watch. To stay awake. To be vigilant. It's the gate warden. Who is the gate? Who's the door? John 10, 2. Jesus is the door. And we're keeping the door. We're witnessing these things. Or are we? See, the only thing we're doing in this great courtroom is giving testimony. And here is, again, let's just read this. We're at the harvest. We're at the end of the age. We're called to watch. We're warning others. Look at Matthew 13, and we'll close with this. Thirteen twenty-four. And I alluded to it earlier, but I want to read it to you now. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while, a, while men slept, we're the men that slept. The church is asleep. The watchman at the door is sleeping. The porter who's supposed to be watching and sharing the witness of the Christ, we sleep. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to then go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest coming soon. And at that time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, angels, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, 
but gather the wheat into my barn. Listen. Listen. Whose house do you belong to? In the harvest, which bundle are you going to be? The wheat or the tares? Because see, so many said in church, and we've already been told beforehand that many who said in church are tares. They're not wheat. They're the villains because they're not doing the will of the Father. And someone will say, well, then they lose their salvation. No, they never had it. They didn't lose it. They were warming their hands at the fire. They liked a lot of what was going on. It made them feel warm and cozy. But their hearts never changed. Their actions never changed. Anything that they never turned a direction. They never came to their senses. And here's the thing. With wheat and tear, they both look just alike. They both look like this. But real wheat that's going to be gathered and go to the Father's house, as it grows and goes, there's noticeable fruit in its head because it continues to humble itself in the sight of God. And it bows down. And it gives way. And it serves. And it loves. And it goes against its own feelings and emotions and perceptions and follows the truth of God's word. But the terror, it stays in its pride. And it stands up strong and it says, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I don't care what Pastor Greg says. And basically with those actions, it's saying no to God. Because you can only grow and go and cross the finish line and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're bowing down more and more every day and growing in the word of God. And the ones that stay in their pride, God resists the proud. And he's going to bundle them up first in the harvest. And he's going to cast them away and burn them. But this is not us. If we're watching. This is not us. If we realize an urgency here today to trust God. This is not us. If we're truly covered in the blood, because the Spirit of God, the earnest of God, that's what that is. The Spirit is the earnest money. It's the earnest, it's the first fruits of God, leads us and grows us so that we humble ourselves in His sight. And then He lifts us up as His bride and carries us away to that new house and that banqueting table. He's coming soon. Be ready, be watching pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. Thank you that you have exalted it above everything, above even your name. Wow. I can't even comprehend it, Lord. It's too much for me. But thank you for such amazing grace. Wake us up. Help us to return to our first love. Help us to be watching and waiting, looking for your glorious appearing, hastening the day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You too.
And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I